So we're still in Luke. But we got a new picture, you know, at least for the next couple of weeks. We got a new picture, right? Uh, it doesn't say the gospel according to Luke like it has the last, uh, what, 78 weeks or something like that. All right. We are in. Oh, kids. Sorry. That's on me. Chitlins. Head out. Oh, yeah, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He will forget. Kids, kids, kids. Love it. Love seeing it. And servants, look at all these people. It's a good day when half, half of your congregation disappears because your uh, children went out of the room, right? It's a good day. Bye, Nug. Yeah. So heading into what may be the strongest chapter in all of the scriptures, Luke 15. Luke 15, the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. We know it as the prodigal son. There are 1,500 different ways to teach and to preach through this passage. I can just tell you we'll be in the chapter for a couple of weeks. I don't know if that's going to be two or I don't know if it's going to be four or five. It just depends on how I want to break down uh, the, the part three of this, the, the prodigal son. Do we want to do the story of the loving father? Because that changes your perspective. Do we want to do the prodigal son that drifted away? That also changes the perspective. Do we want to do the prodigal that never drifted away? Because that changes your perspective. Do we want to do them all? Do I want to do them all in one week? I do not know. I do not know. But here's how I want to begin for us in this room. Many of us have gone through a, an experience of, of, of recognizing who we were in our sin, recognizing that we, we, we needed a Savior, that a drawing, if you will. And some of you maybe have never experienced the, the drawing. I remember being on the second row uh, of Cynthia Baptist Church, long pew, right-hand side for me, left-hand side, and I was sitting on the far end as Sicily is now, except they were almost this wide. And, and the, one of the ladies that used to watch us as a child was sitting on the other end. And the invitation is going on and I remember that I was sitting on the end, but as the invitation increased, I found myself in the middle of the pew. And then I found myself nearly sitting next to uh, this lady uh, who used to be my, my babysitter. And I was like, wait, something's going on in my heart. And I was here and I literally had a spirit almost drawing me moment. And that happened to me multiple times from the time I was in fourth grade, which is when I made my profession of faith, until uh, the, the final time when God finally worked some things out in me at youth camp my freshman year, at youth camp my sophomore year, at youth camp my junior year, at another revival. And I'm thinking, God, I don't need to give myself over so many times. This is not how this works. I know that I don't need resaving. I know that I don't need any more rededicating. What are you doing? God was calling me and until I understood what the call was. He's calling me to be more his. All right, I understand that. He's calling me to, to commit to permanence in working for him. I don't know about all that. He's calling me to be in front of people and communicate. I didn't know if that was drama. I didn't know if it was singing. I didn't know if it was preaching. I didn't know what it was. Certainly didn't think it was this. 
And he just kept solidifying that, that draw. Many of us understand what it's like to realize who you used to be and who God can make you. And the recognition, the recognition of being lost. Well, it's life changing. Scary. It's revealing. It's hard to admit in a world where we're supposed to look good, sound good, act good, be good, stay good, do good, but we can't define what is good anymore. So before we read these words, hear this. Some of us might be saved but there are places and portions and questions in our hearts and our minds where we are still wandering, where we are still wandering, where we are still broken. And my prayer is that the Jesus who seeks out, the Jesus who chases down, finds you wherever you are and brings you home. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Such an ugly word, is it not? Muttered. They were muttering. All right. And you always have to use the, the quotes with your fingers when you say what they muttered. This man welcomes sinners and tax collectors and eats with them. Let's read it again because we got to get this part right. The stories are cute and quaint. We've got to get this part right. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around Jesus. The people who weren't supposed to know Jesus, weren't supposed to understand Jesus, weren't supposed to be able to recognize Jesus, were magnetized by Jesus, drawn unto Jesus. And Jesus said, all you dirty, hippie, gross people need to stay away, didn't he? No. No. You know what he did? He sat down right next to the right next to the dirtiest, right next to the vilest. And he nudged him in his ribs and he said, what's up? And the guy said, what's up? He's like, want a grape? Because I figured that's probably what they were eating, some grapes or something like that. How about a bevy? Can we hang out? Because that's what Jesus does. And I think we forget that sometimes. We gather in our pews. We talk about our praises. We bow our heads in prayer. And we hope that Jesus' spirit descends upon us, our godly, hopeful, coming to church selves. And the Pharisees were thinking to themselves, what is he doing? 
I am the head of this congregation. I am the head of this place. I have studied at the super studying school of seminariology. I have a master's degree in this guy named Jesus. He ought to be eloquently conversating with me because that's why God came down according to the whole of scripture to dine with the fine. He left heaven and came to earth to hold hands with the holy, right? No. For the son of man came to what? Seek and save that which was Church, we've lost our way. We might not be lost, but we've lost our way. Because the lost matter. I can promise you this as we ease into August, September, and October of next year, we're going to begin not to look at what kind of church a man likes, what kind of church a congregation likes, what kind of church an ad in a newspaper might request. I was on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and I literally had to keep my fingers shut. Uh, you know, because your mouth don't speak on Facebook. Your fa I had to stop myself because there was a list of all these things that this family was looking for a church to be. Francis Chan, uh, they talk about a story where somebody comes up to him and says, hey, I did not enjoy the music at your service today. And Francis said, that's OK. We weren't singing for you. I don't want to be the type of church anymore that makes me happy, my wife happy, or you happy. You know what I want to be? I want to be the kind of church that makes heaven happy. I want there to be all kinds of churches out there, but I want the angels to wake up on Sunday morning and I want them to be buzzing around asking Jesus what's going on at NBC on Main today. That's what I want. I want to be the kind of church that makes heaven happy not man. And one of the things we're going to learn this fall is that a church that makes heaven happy is all about the soul. We refine and refined the opportunity to get in with the broken, to get in with the lost. I was an evangelist but I never called myself that because evangelists were preachers who did invitations and people came. Here's the problem. I followed evangelist after evangelist after evangelist two places all over America. And you know what I'd hear from the guys? Oh, you wouldn't believe last year we had 45 people saved. Oh, you wouldn't believe last year we had 250 teenagers saved. Man, you wouldn't believe last year, man. We had 72 people come to Christ. Finally, I got the nerve because I was being paid to be there, but I got the nerve to say, where are they? I mean, man, if you're running 500 people here and you've had 300 people saved, man, you ought to at least have 800. I only see 45. So evangelism is not about numbers. Evangelism is not about uh, tickets. 
Real evangelism is about realizing what you have been given, realizing what I have been given, and making sure nobody goes another day without hearing it. Not your job to force it down their throat and make them take it. You cannot. But it is our job to care enough about every broken, every bruised, every battered, everything that we think we ought not be. We ought to be running to it. Well, Craig, I don't, I just don't think us Christians ought to hang out on the streets of Las Vegas. I don't think you ought to be down there at Joe's Bar and Grill hanging out with all the heathens. Where was Jesus? Where was Jesus? He was not running toward the temple. He was not running toward the church. He was not running toward anything. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Leave the 99 to find the one that wasn't there. We got to get outside. The woman at the well, she was a banker, right? Sunday school princess, right? First lady deacon, right? No. No. She was a five-time adulterer. The woman who was not stoned. She was the head of vacation Bible school. That's where we messed up. No. Who's Jesus hanging out with, man? Zacchaeus? What an upstanding man that guy was. bunch of fishermen that cannot get it right even when they're standing right next to him who deny him after three years with him thank god he's not chasing the good people because none of us would be here but you know what else we've lost church and and i gotta tell you i gotta tell you and i can tell you now because i've seen it three times now so it's it's okay it's not instigated i've been waiting eight years for a natural response to baptism and last week we had two baptisms all right and scott i mean let's be honest hardly any of us actually know scott he hasn't been here long enough right but man scott went down in the water came up out of the water and right over in this area there's this woo, and it was natural it was like and people applauding and i was like i have been waiting on that just to occur not to be forced not to be fed but just to occur and then the next one down woo, and then today one of our own for years down uh, woo, some people even stood up it was like what in the world that that is what heaven does every single time the whore becomes holy. Every single time the sinner becomes a saint. Every single time the beggar believes. And we've lost it. Because Jesus says it looks like this. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, listen, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He doesn't slap it on the backside. He doesn't yank it by the collar. He picks it up, puts it around his neck, has a goofy grin on his face, gets back, stops at his neighbor's house, said, found it, come on, next neighbor, found it, come on. Hasn't called in to check on the others. He's telling everybody about this one and they celebrate. He picks them up and carries them home. Some of you need to be carried. And there is a God willing to do it. He calls his friends and his neighbors and says, rejoice with me. Come on, church. It's why one of our core values is the celebration here. This is the center of two of our four core values at NBC. The, one, the church has lost its party. We sit and stare instead of sand and celebrate. Well, I want a partying church, a celebrating church. Watch the emails. The staff get tired of it, but I don't call it worship. I don't say we're going to church. I say we'll see you on Sunday for our celebration, for our celebration, for our celebration. Go back and look. It's always there. And somehow, some way, we're going to get there. And the other one is a mission outside of ourselves. I, I, I love you when you join the church. If anybody shows up for Coffee and Covenant today, if we had membership, love you. But getting in here doesn't give you a, a, a card or a special pass. In fact, we put our arms around you and say, woohoo, now it's time to work. We expect you to give. We expect you to go. We expect you to use your time, your talent, and your tithe to make sure more people end up where you are. I once was lost, but what? Now I'm found. Was blind? I tell you in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous. There is more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous. Suppose a woman has a, has a silver coin and loses one. Does she light a lamp, sweep the house, Search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, call her friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing. Let me remind you of something else. How many of you have ever dropped something small like a coin, something valuable like a, like a ring, down into a sink, down into the couch, down under the couch where you haven't been for three or four years. Wait, 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 no. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stuck your hand down in there wondering if it was going to get bit, if it was going to get hit? If, and when you get down in there deep enough and you start moving around, stuff that you, you know it's crumbs, you just don't know from what, <laughs> is all up under your nails. It's like Fruit Loops, gummy bears, uh, crackers, sunflower seeds, and, and, it's, it, and they get it around and it's all, up, it's all up in there, right? Listen to me, listen to me. That's God, that's God, that's God digging for you. God comes down into the gross, into the dirt, into the dust, gets back in the crevices. It doesn't matter how far. It doesn't matter how dirty. He will leave perfection. He will leave holiness. He will become literally sin. God made him who had no sin to become sin. 
He, he, God made him who would never die to die. God took him who was eternal and made him mortal. He will get dirty for you and he will keep searching and he will keep digging and he will stay as long as it takes to get his hand on the coin, to get in the sludge and find the diamond. He will pull it out and he will run through the streets. Look what I found! You know what I want today? You know what I want today? I just want a church full of people whose hearts explode when somebody runs through the street saying, look what I found. Whose, whose hearts worship when someone comes up out of the water. But that's just the representation, guys. It's just the representation. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's lost today. Here's what I do know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a preacher. I've worked in churches and in ministry and been out of ministry for a couple of years uh, and 30, 30, 30, 32 years this year. 32 years. And even in the last six months, I've driven alone in my car and I've thought, what if, the, what if this isn't real? Does that surprise some of you? I've driven in my car and I've thought, what, what, what if? I have. Almost all of you have. You're just not real sure sitting in church if you're supposed to say it, you know? You can say it. You can't stay it. Because there is a Jesus who is chasing me down when I'm feeling dirty, who is still chasing me down when my mind wanders, who is still coming after me with an overwhelming, never-ending recklessness, despite my nastiness. That's my wife. She has to live with it. God bless that. I don't know what your lost is today. Some of you are lost, lost. <laughs> and there's maybe even something down inside of you that's like, I got to stand up and let somebody know, but it's church and I'm not supposed to. I'll let somebody know because heaven will open up. But the rest of us, we're a little lost too, aren't we? God, I'm sorry I put that part of my life out of reach for you. You know what God's doing? He's got his hands down in there. And he's reaching into your dirt. What do you got to give up? Where are you wandering? Where are you lost? Tell somebody today. Tell somebody today. Jesus is coming after all of us. It's all about how we respond. And when we respond, just know that heaven celebrates when the lost are found. Let's pray.
God, we thank you for reaching into our mess, for reaching into our mess, for coming and, 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 and making an effort to continually clean up our garbage, to continue to work out our salvation, to continue to create in us a clean heart and renew that right spirit, to continue the work you began until, God willing, until one day we are complete and made new in you. God, I pray for the, for the lost in this room. And, and what I mean by that is anyone here who's never solidified, who's never been captivated by a, a relationship with you. We pray, God, we pray out loud that they might find you. And God, for those of us who are lost in, inside ourselves, for those of us who are wandering in the corridors and closets of our lives, that you may seek and find us out, that you may shine light in the darkness and help us remember that the darkness cannot overcome it. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.